But we're right wrapping up a series in the book of Judges called So Great a Salvation. And if you want to flip your Bible to Judges uh, chapter 13. Also, just to remind you that we are on the YouVersion app, um, if you want to follow along there and take notes there. Also, there's note paper in the back uh, with a little uh, outline of the sermon for today. If you didn't grab one on your way in, you can grab it. Um, it's a good way to take notes if you're old school like I am. Um, when we started this church, a little funny story, I was forced to buy an iPad um, because all the other pastors are young and cool, and they like Apple products, and I don't, so... Um, they were like, you have to have an iPad or an Apple product of some sort because we're going to have these meetings and you can only get the app on the Apple store. So I was like, okay, and I got an iPad and then this app that's only available on the Apple store, it just happens to be available on everything that I already had. So I now have this iPad that just sits basically and collects dust and every once in a while I force myself to turn it on and look at stuff. And I'm like, where is the back button on this thing? And then I shut it off and I get back out my uh, trusty Galaxy uh, Samsung product. And it works great. So, but anyways, along with that, I love you, Jordan. Um, so, like I said, we are uh, wrapping up a sermon series out of the book of Judges. And if you have your note cards there, you'll see um, that I put, put three things down there. A little fill-in-the-blank game for you, which will be fun and interesting. In the first one, you can see that there's a scripture uh, under it in parentheses, Ephesians 2, uh, verse 8 through 10. And if you turn there, I'd like to read just briefly uh, verses 8 through 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Some of your translations might say, which God predestined that we should walk in him. So if you want to fill in on verse in, in one there, it says you are predestined for good works. So we're getting ready to break down a little story about a guy named Samson. Who in here has heard of Samson? Okay, awesome. So in the book of Judges, as you guys know, there's been a, a uh, underlying theme, it's not even actually underlying any longer now that we're in this part of it, where basically the Israelites are given this amazing land to go to and they're given commands from God and they don't do them, right? And then there's trouble and then they suffer and then God sends somebody to rise up. He sends power uh, on them in the name of God and he delivers them, right? And then they're free and they're in peace for a little while and then they go and they screw up again. And then God sends somebody to help them out and then they live in peace for a little while. And then they screw up again. And this goes on 13 times in this book, right? So now we're at the last guy and his name is Samson. Who knows anything about Samson? Come on, somebody knows something about him, right? Ben, you know something about Samson, don't you? He has nice long hair, right? That's what we, most of us know about him, right? What else do we know about him? He's built like me. No, I'm just joking. I'm just, that's a joke. It actually doesn't say Samson's a big guy. It doesn't say he's a big guy. It says he's strong, right? It says that God gives him strength. So it doesn't say anything about him being a big guy. So we're going to talk a little bit about Samson's life being predestined. And what we're going to do is we're going to mirror Samson's life to our life, okay? We're going to walk through this book and we're going to look at how exactly we are like Samson, all right? And some of you are saying, well, I'm not that strong. It's okay. Neither was Samson. God gave Samson strength, okay? God gives us our strength. So we're going to start in the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 1, and we're going to read a few verses to start out. So if you have your Bibles, if you didn't turn them on yet, turn them on real quick, pull them out, flip pages, whatever you want to do, but here we go. All right, chapter 13, verse 1, and it says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel. So let's talk about what this means. So he'll be a Nazarite 
from the womb, okay? A Nazarite was a certain person who took a covenant vow to God to serve him, right? And there were a few rules of being a Nazarite, one of which, can't cut your hair, all right? That's one of the rules. Another one of the rules is that you could consume no alcohol. And the way it was actually stated was that you could consume nothing from the vine, okay? So it wasn't just wine, it was anything, all right? No Stella's, sorry. I mean, anything that came from the vine, you couldn't have it, period. And then the third thing was you can't touch a dead body. You cannot have contact with a dead body. I know what you're thinking, but I love touching dead bodies, all right? How often did somebody come across a dead body that that was actually a big deal? I guess at the time of the Israelites' uh, debauchery here, that they probably had a lot of dead bodies around because of the ridiculous way that they followed God or didn't follow God. Um, So you couldn't touch a dead body. Now, what we're going to get into here is how Samson and his own... um, plans that he had predestined for himself, manages to do all three of these things, all right? Now, that's something that a lot of you probably didn't know about Samson, okay? You think strong when you hear Samson, all right? If you read it, you think weak, okay? Because Samson was so wrapped up in himself. He was so worried about himself and what he did. You know, Mitch talked about Gideon last week and how Gideon was afraid, right? He was in the wine press, and he said, well, I'm the weakest man of the weakest family, right? Um, Are you sure you want to use me? And he did all these different tests with, uh, you know, laying, um, what what was it? The the fleece, thank you, the fleece on the ground and saying, if you really want me to do that, job, Kenny, look at Kenny. If you really want me to to do this, when I wake up in the morning, the fleece will be wet, the ground will be dry. And then he did it the opposite way, right? The next day. So he had to test. Samson just did. Okay, Samson did what he wanted to do. So he didn't seek God for those things. He had a plan for himself, and he was going to do what made him feel a certain way. And then, so that's what a Nazarite is. That's that's somebody that makes a covenant commitment to God. Now, Samson was predestined to be a Nazarite, right? This angel of God appeared to his mother and father and said, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a Nazarite. All right, normally this is something that you get to decide for yourself, but in this instance, this angel of God told him, this is what, told the mother and father, this is what he's going to be, okay? So he had a very specific calling on his life. Um, And then in the same verse there, if you put verse 5 back up on the board, I believe it is, verse 5, the the tail end of that, it says, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And I know what you're saying, begin, isn't this the, this is the 13th judge, right? This is the end, right? This is the last guy that's going to rise up. He doesn't do it. Who does it? Jesus does it. Amen. He's the one that does it. You got to remember when you're reading the Old Testament that you're reading it with a Jesus perspective. Okay. The Old Testament is pointing to the New Testament. We learned at camp with the youth group that Jesus bridges that gap, right? He is the bridge between the old and the new. He is the bridge between us and God. Okay. So Samson, sorry, spoiler alert, isn't going to save everybody, okay? He's just not. He, he can't. He doesn't have the ability. Is Samson God? No. Audience participation. Is Samson God? No. Okay, there we go. I know that a lot of you like... So, when I was a kid and I thought about Samson, which wasn't often, but when I heard the story of Samson the first time, I thought of Hulk Hogan, okay? Because I, I don't know why. I mean, it, you know, geographically, it doesn't make sense. I doubt he would be this tall white gentleman with long flowing blonde hair um, and a handlebar mustache, but you never know. Um, actually, when we get into reading this and find out that, that, you know, Samson, when Delilah cuts his hair later in the story, another spoiler alert, says he cut the seven locks of hair. So it makes me wonder if he had dreadlocks, right? I don't know. He might have dreadlocks. Seemed like the right location to have them, you know, not a lot of running water, I don't think. So, so Samson had a very specific plan that he was predestined for. So if we go ahead and we, and we skip down to uh, verse 24 in chapter 13, it says, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. Who blessed him? The Lord, the Lord blessed him. All right, let's keep that in mind as we read on. So then chapter 14, we're going to start in... Uh, chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 3. Um, now, here's what happened. So just to, just to set the stage for what's going on here. 
So Samson has a lot of years of his life missing, like another pretty important character in the Bible who also had an angel come to his mother and say, you're going to have a son, and he's going to have a specific job to do, right? So there's a lot of years of his childhood that are just absent. They don't exist. We don't have them here. So now later on in Samson's life, he's walking down to this town called Timnah, right? And he comes across this girl who he thinks is good looking, basically, right? Now the problem with Timnah is it's a Philistine town. Okay, now it wasn't one of the villages that they were banned from marrying, but it was highly advised against. Like, you shouldn't go marry a Philistine, right? That goes the same with culture today. Um, In the church, you see a lot of this, right? You see a lot of people going down and taking a wife or, or a woman taking a husband who don't line up spiritually. They're not equally yoked. And then you see kids growing up in church with their mother while dad's at home watching football. And let me tell you something, dads. You can watch football after church. Games don't start till one. So... Um, you can still come to church and you can still be that spiritual leader that God's called you to be. There's a lot of football fans in here, right? There's the the most male participation we're going to have this morning. Come on, guys. (laughs) Just joking. I like football too. I'm a Browns fan though, so I've slowly been weaning myself off of it. Um, Who? Oh, my aunt told me yesterday, here's how you should go about watching Browns games from now on. Expect them to go 0-16 and then if they win one, you can be excited. So that's, I'm going to try it this year and see how it works. So anyway, so Samson goes down to Timnah and he sees a girl that he thinks is cute. What do guys normally do when they think a girl's cute? Run and hide. No, <laughs> I, I don't know what they do because uh, happily married man. <laughs> so in um, verse 6, we're going to pick up in verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 5. And it says, Then Samson went down with his father and his mother to Timnah. So, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. I got sidetracked. Uh, In verse 3 we were in, it says, But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all of our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in whose eyes? In my eyes, right? I want you to keep track in the back of your head how many times Samson says, my, me, I, me. Okay, it's all about Samson, all right? So he says that she is right in his eyes. So now if we skip ahead to verse 5, it says, Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Then... The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. If you have a pen or a highlighter, every time we read the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, underline that, circle that, highlight that. It's very important. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces, tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. Now let's pause there for a minute. Mitch and I had a long conversation about how one tears a young goat the other day, all right? Because I wasn't aware that that was a, a, something that they practiced back in the day, tearing young goats with their bare hands. It, apparently, it was quite easy because uh, Samson made uh, short work of this lion just as he did with young goats. Um, so I don't know. Has anybody in here ever tore a young goat with his hands? Kent? Uh, I would assume it'd be Ken if it was anybody. He looks like he could handle a young goat. Um, so, so Samson tears this lion apart like he would a young goat, all right? And he, and he takes care of it fairly easy. Now, he's going down to take his bride. Guys, if one of you tore a lion to pieces with your bare hands like you would a young goat, what would you do when you get there? <laughs> I, if, it was, if this was today, you can ask, I'd be like, Amy, I ripped this lion to pieces. You should have seen it. It was amazing, right? I mean, it, I probably would have said it was a 700-pound lion when it was like a little cub. You know, I might exaggerate the story a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But um, so Samson gets down there and it says, even though he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. Now, here's an important verse here that uh, gets, I I was surprised how much it it gets uh, overshadowed by the rest of the story. And it says, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. How do you do that? How do you tear apart a lion with your bare hands and not tell anybody about it? Right? Um, Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Okay, so there you go again, right in Samson's eyes. After some days he returned to take her, 
And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on. Now, what did he just do when he did that? Touched the dead body, right? Why did he do that? Because he wanted some honey. I mean, I want some honey just as much as the next guy, but I'm not reaching into the body of a lion, especially if God told me not to, right? He scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother, and he gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. Uh, Verse 10. Uh, His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. Now, I want to talk about this feast a little bit. I did some research on this. It was called a mizta, okay? It was a one-week drinking party, all right? Whenever someone was about to be married, the young men would throw this party called a mizta. They would get together, they would drink, they would tell jokes, they would tell riddles to each other, they would just have a good time. They partook in much wine, right? So this was another situation where it doesn't say exactly right here, but reading on what other pastors and theologians have said about this passage, that it was more probable than not that Samson partook in wine in this instance, at his mizpah, while he was partying up with a bunch of Philistines that he didn't share the same moral values as, and he was getting ready to marry one of them and take as his wife. This guy who was preordained from birth to be this leader for God's people, right? So then they go down to this mizpah, Uh, As soon as the people saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. Now, this is another thing that kind of bothers me in this story, all right? So now he goes down. He doesn't know anybody because he's not a Philistine, right? So he goes down. Consider it like a destination wedding that you didn't invite any of your friends to. And not only are none of your friends invited, but when you get there, they're going to send you a bunch of friends to hang out with. I don't know about you guys, but I'd want my friends there, right? Another good reason to marry somebody that you know. So... He goes down, they send him 30 friends, right? And they're like, here, come party with Samson. He's going to marry this girl. Um, and he says to them, let me, know, let me now put a riddle to you, verse 12. If you can tell me what it is within the seven days of this feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you could not tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, put your, put your riddle that we may hear it. And he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Now, is there any possible way for somebody to figure out what this riddle means? No. Nobody knows what Samson did. Okay? Nobody knows. Now, have any of you ever been in a situation where Maybe it's a new job, maybe it's a new school, maybe it's a new team, um, a new church, uh, a, a new club, whatever it might be, you fill in the blank there, whatever it might be that you go and you become a part of this. And when you walk in, you might even have this good feeling. Now, Samson didn't portray that he had this good feeling of, I'm a godly man and I'm going to share this, right? He went down to take his wife, okay? And now he's partying with these guys that he doesn't line up with spiritually, Okay, and now he's in a situation where he's using this amazing miracle that God did and him tearing this lion apart for his own selfish gain. Okay, now have any of you been in a situation similar to that, where it's that club, that job, that team, whatever it is, and you walk in and you think like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell somebody about Jesus today, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a real impact on this place. And then they start talking and they end up overshadowing you, right? that ever happen? Where that, that light on the hill that you don't put a basket over, right? You don't cover that light up. But doesn't that sometimes happen in our circumstances? Where that light gets covered up, where our light's not able to shine out of, whether it's fear, whatever it might be, where you're just not ready to tell somebody about your faith, about what you care about, right? Because they're so bold in their convictions about what they don't care about. Um, so Samson had this opportunity to share And and what I think is that he didn't share because then he couldn't use it, right? Had he went down to that village where he was going to find his wife and he said, guess what just happened? The power of God, which it says, right? The spirit of God came upon me. Has anyone ever had the spirit of God come upon you? It's a beautiful thing, right? There's no denying it. There's no denying it. When this church first started, I had a young man with me. um, And after the service, we went out to lunch and he goes, did you feel that? (laughs) And I was like, 
That was the Holy Ghost, my friend. That's what you were feeling. You were being convicted, right? The power of the Holy Spirit of God was coming upon you. And when that comes upon you and something amazing happens and you don't share it, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It leads to turmoil in your life, right? When God comes upon you and you know that he came upon you, you feel him and you choose to ignore it, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Good things won't come of that. So Samson is already using God's strength, right? What do we know from Ephesians 6 and 10? The verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. If it should be up on the board soon. Um, number two on your notes list, it says, Be blank in the blank, right? And what's this say? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You see, our strength comes from God. Samson's strength comes from God. Does Samson recognize that? No. All right, and we're going to find out what happens when you don't recognize that. So Ephesians 6 and 10 says, be strong in the Lord. Uh, Samson says, I, 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 over and over and over, right? So then what happens here? Okay, so these guys, uh, to go back to chapter 14, these guys realize that they've been tricked. All right, they realize that there's no way that they're going to figure this out. Samson's tricking them. Okay, so then they pull his wife aside and they say, listen to me, if you don't tell us what this riddle is so that we can get our clothes and our, our garments that he promised us, our changes of clothes, um, we're going to kill you. Okay, we're going to kill your father too if you don't tell us. So she goes to Samson and during this feast, this week long party, she's steady just nagging him, nagging him, nagging him, nagging him, nagging him. And then he finally tells her, right? And she tells them and they win. Now, if you skip ahead to verse 19 in chapter 14, Samson is now forced to go and get these garments, right? He has to pay up his debt. Now, think about it. Had he just shared what God had done, he wouldn't be in this situation, okay? So now he's being forced to go and pay off this debt. And in verse 19, he goes down to this other village, and in verse 19 it says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had, hold, who had told the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house. Okay, And Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. Okay, So you ask yourself, why would the Spirit of the Lord come upon Samson so he could go murder 30 guys, right? Because that's what he did. Was this just for Samson? No. Was it just for God? Absolutely. Because God uses you in your faults. Amen? When you are weak, he is strong. We're going to get into that in a little bit. When you need help, he's the guy that you should turn to. Okay? When you fall, he's the one to pick you up. All right? When you're lost, he is where you're looking for. Right? He is what you're trying to get to. Okay? So it's God's strength. Right? It's God who's strong, not us, as Ephesians says. So now if we jump down to uh, Judges chapter 15. So now Samson returns, right? Because he, he was mad. He went and killed these guys. He gets his stuff and he goes home to his dad. Now in the meantime, the king had taken his daughter and given her to somebody else, right? So Samson returns, chapter 15, and he goes down and he finds out what had happened. And he finds out, the king said, well, I didn't think that you really loved her, so I gave her to your friend. But you can have my other daughter. All right, Samson in furious rage as Samson. So when I think of Samson in this story after reading it over and over and over for the last couple of weeks, he's like, a, you, you guys have seen like the big bodybuilders and you've, I'm sure everybody's heard the term roid rage, right? Where those guys, the big guys that are on steroids just get like these anger from all the drugs. That's what I picture Samson, like roid raging, right? Like he just gets so mad, he just goes and kills. So God has this plan. And he's going to wipe out as many Philistines as he can through Samson's rage, through Samson's anger. Okay, so Samson goes and he, and he collects 300 foxes. The story is amazing. I'm telling you guys, okay, I don't watch TV really because it's all pretty nasty. There's a couple of shows that I watch. I'm a sports fan, which is also pretty nasty, I guess. But the, the TV shows are just, you can't get through one. It's like the TV shows should be rated R. You know what I mean? So I can't watch them. I'm a big fan of cartoons. My family knows. I like wait for the kids' movies to come out. Like Up is like one of the greatest movies of all times. But um, I'll put it up there against Star Wars. I don't care what anybody says. Um, 
Yeah, thank you. I, I figured I'd get one in there. Um, but anyways, people, I, I tell people all the time, I've been reading this, and I'm in work, right, and, and I do marketing for a, a law firm, so I go into all these surgical centers and MRI facilities, and I'm steady listening to preaching, and every once in a while I'll get somebody who's not saved to listen to it, um, and, and I'm like, listen, the game, everybody watches Game of Thrones, right? I've heard about it, I'm like, how can you watch that? But anyways, I'm like, you like Game of Thrones? Read the Book of Judges. <laughs> like, you don't, who needs that when you can just get into this? You know, it's, the story is so, it's so crazy. But anyway, so Samson goes and he gets 300 foxes and he gathers them up, right? And he has this plan that he's going to get back at this guy for giving away his, his daughter, right? His wife. So he takes the fox, he ties their tails together with a slow burning torch in between the tails. Okay. Ties them together, lights the torch on fire and lets them go in their, in their fields. Right. And it was, it was uh, harvested crops. So it was, it was. Uh, a little dry already, so it was easily caught in flames. And these fox run through and destroy all their crops. Okay? So once again, this is, this is Samson's rage and anger and sin. And God's taking it and he's using it to fulfill his promise to the Israelites. Right? That he would protect them. So he sends these fox. They destroy all this land. So then they find out that it was Samson that did so. They go, these people go and kill the king and the daughter, right? Kill them, set them on fire, actually, and kill them, okay? So then Samson gets angry about that, and he goes crazy again, right? I mean, Samson is totally, utterly insane at this point with rage, lust, and anger, okay? So he's off, he's like a a freight train off the rails. So everything that he does is out of his own anger. It's, it's, not his justified wrath, but it's God's, okay? God is working through him in his situation. Um, some of you know about where I came from in life and the things that I went through. Some of you don't, and if you ever want to have that conversation, I'd love to talk to you about it because it's um, not something that I'm ashamed of anymore. It's something that I know that God used my life and the trials and the things that I went through uh, for certain times, for certain people in certain situations that could glorify him. It's not about me. It's used to glorify him. Um, I used to always question and I'd pray and I'd cry and say, why, why, why? You know, and it was to glorify God. Um, And even though Samson doesn't know it at this time, that's what's taking place through his rage, through his anger, right? Um, So so now we're over into um, chapter 15. So... Oh, I'm sorry, we're, yeah, at the end of chapter 15. So then, Samson leaves this town, right? And he goes and he hides out. But he's not really hiding out because he doesn't care because he's Samson. Strong as could be, he could take anybody out. So then they send all these troops down to fight him, right? And they surround the outside of his camp. And then Samson, uh, in chapter 15, verse 14, it says, When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, um, so he, so basically what he did um, was this, he went down to this village and this village came and they said, listen, the Philistines are going to kill all of us if you don't go out of here, right? It was kind of like Jonah in the boat. You guys remember those of you who were in city groups, which are starting next Sunday, if you didn't get a form on the way in, grab one off the table or go online. All right, public service announcement. So in the city groups, we all studied the book of Jonah, right? So Jonah was on the boat and he was refusing to follow God's plan. The storm came and they threw him off the boat. Okay, similar story here. The Philistines come and they're like, listen, they're going to kill us if you don't get out of here. So he says, tie me up, take me out like you're going to do something. And and then he says, as long as you don't kill me, I'll let you tie me up. And he says, they say, we won't kill you, right? So then he goes out and when they show up, he tears the restraints off and there's a, a jawbone of a donkey. I'm telling you, this is, Game of Thrones has nothing on the book of Judges. So he takes the jawbone of a donkey and slaughters a thousand men. I, let me, he slaughters a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Okay? Now, <laughs> Samson did this. Okay? And Samson wants everybody to know that Samson did this. Samson doesn't come out of this and say, the power of God came upon me and I was able to wipe out these men who had just killed this innocent man and his daughter. He doesn't say that. Samson goes out and says, you ever, Samson does one of those deals, you know, like if he was a football player and he had his name on his back, 
Right, TJ? Did you do that when you scored a touchdown? Don't lie. I saw the film. I saw the film. But, so second part, be strong in the Lord. All right? We're going to jump ahead to number three, and we're going to wrap this up. Number three is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. So if you're still in your Bible or on your phone, flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. And it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamity. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen? That is a beautiful verse, and it's something that if we can understand and we can fully grasp it, that God can work tremendously through us in our weaknesses. Um, as I said, you know, my life was full of weakness when I thought I was being strong. I was Samson. I was going to take care of things. I didn't need help from anybody. You can ask my mom and dad. When I graduated high school, which was a miracle in itself, the next day I left, packed some bags and was gone. Where are you going? Don't know. <laughs> Not staying here though. You know, Had, and I, I was going to rely on my own strength. And I suffered for years and years and years until God came and rescued me from that. And uh, until the day that I was truly able to totally surrender everything to him, um, I was in bondage. I was in chains, just like Samson is here. Samson knows. He's not blind to this. He knows what he was picked to do, right? He knows that the, the angel came and told his parents. He knows he's a Nazarite. He knows what he's sent to do here. You know, it's different from the other judges. The other judges found out later in life, right? He knew from birth what his job was. And he's failing miserably at it. He thinks. Well, he doesn't think. He thinks he's dominating. But God's dominating through him. But if you read the story, it sure looks like Samson is quite the screw-up. Amen? Amen. That's why you have to get into the Word of God. You see Samson and you see that picture, right, that's in all the little kids' books or all the, whatever, you know, and it's him with the pillars, right? And he's just ripped and he's this jacked guy, right? And he's pushing this building over. And you're like, Samson of great strength, picked by God. But you have, there's a whole story here. There's a whole story. It's not part of a story. It's something else that, you know, the kids got uh, blessed with at um, camp, you know? You, you can't read part of the story. We did this little exercise with uh, song lyrics, you know? You hear one song lyric, you're not necessarily going to know what that song is, right? You've got to know the whole story. You've got to know not just the New Testament either because we know that the Old Testament is leading to the New Testament. We know that Samson isn't going to save anything, right? Samson isn't going to do anything. He's going to begin to save Israel. Jesus is our victory. Jesus is our Savior. He's the one who rescues us and takes us into the promised land. Amen? So... You go ahead, and Samson leaves this town, right? And he heads into another town, and what does he see? Another cute Philistine girl. I'm telling you. HBO series on Samson. Not HBO, PBS. Um, <laughs> that way we can watch it. <laughs> um, so Samson goes into this other town, and he sees this woman. What's her name? Delilah, Delilah right? And he likes her. He thinks she's good looking. And he thinks that she can give him what his body craves. Okay? And he does. You know, so now you're seeing this track record of poor decision making by Samson, right? The Nazarite, the guy sent to deliver the Israelites. Uh, or to begin to deliver the Israelites. So, in chapter 16, uh, these Philistines come to her and they say, We will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. 1,100 pieces of silver a piece if you find out where his strength comes from, okay? There was five of them, five of them. It's a nice chunk of silver. Even today, that'd be, I mean, that's a nice little bit of money today, right? I don't know what silver's worth right now, but I know a few years ago people were just selling their silver as quick as they could because it was unbelievably high. But um, So they offer her a lot of money, 
And what does she do? Through manipulation and ways that women can manipulate men. No offense, ladies. Um, sinners, bad women and bad men. We're not bad. We're good. <laughs> that was a joke. You guys were supposed to laugh there. Um, but anyways, so she starts to, to use certain things to get information out of Samson. And Samson pretends like he's giving her the right information so that he can get certain things that he wants. So <clears throat> after many times of saying, you know, tie me up with fresh rope, and that's, you know, fresh rope tying me up that hasn't been used can stop me. And then the other one's like, a, um, you know, all these different things. I forget what the other ones were, but they're all ridiculous things. Then after all this nagging, he finally tells her, it's my hair. I, I'm speechless. I, I was going to try to come up with something brilliant to try to say there. God didn't give me anything. And I'm just like, you told her? What's wrong with you, man? You haven't realized to this point that it's probably not good that you're going and sharing this amazing gift from God. You didn't share it earlier with the lion, but now you're going to share it with her, right? You had the chance to go and witness to this whole town, right? Or to tell them, I was sent from God. God is working through me. I have a covenant agreement with my God to do a certain task, right? And guess what he did? He delivered this lion unto me with my bare hands. I killed this lion with my bare hands. He didn't share that. He didn't share that amazing miracle done by God. But he shares with this woman, this promiscuous lady, Delilah, that the strength comes from his hair. So if we pick up the story um, in Judges chapter 16, verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 19, which won't be on the board, but we'll pick it up in verse 20. Verse 19 says, She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And he said, the Philist- and, and she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times, and shake myself free. Excuse me. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him, now get this, and they gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles, and he ground at the mill in the prison. Verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. All right, now, God gives Samson this amazing ability, right? And what is Samson willing to do? He's willing to cash it in for selfish gain, okay? He's willing to take this amazing opportunity that God has given him, this life that God has blessed him with, and he's willing to cash it in to please the flesh. Does that sound familiar? I mean, amen, anyone? I mean, it's, it's, it's a reality that we have to face. It's a reality. It really is. I know it stinks. Nobody wants to face it to say that, oh my God, I can compare myself to this guy. We were all predestined for good works. God has them lined up for us. You know, he gives us this little thing that gets in the way sometimes. And it's called me. It's called me. It's called free will. You see, God doesn't want us to just serve him. He wants us to want to serve him. If he wanted us to just serve him, he would have made us robots and we'd have no choice. Okay? But he gave us the opportunity to choose for ourselves. So we have to make a choice of who we're going to serve. We have to choose who we're going to serve. But I, I get in my Bible an hour a day. Listen, I could give you analogy upon analogy upon analogy, okay? One out of 24, are there any good math whizzes? I don't know, it's not a high percentage, right? I know a lot of us give far more hours a day to our social media accounts, don't we? I know a lot of us give more time to our sports pages, don't we? Here's a real scary one. I know a lot of us give far more time to our children, don't we? 
Why do we do those things? Because they give us a little bit of joy. They give us a little bit of happiness for right now, right? Is that where we're looking for our strength? Is that where our strength comes from, is those things? I mean, it's incredible. The places that we look in society for strength. I mean, look at... Our world's not too much different today than it was back then, right? Some would even go as far to say that it's worse. Look at Virginia right now. It's over a statue. That's taking place over a statue. And just so you guys know, I think you've known from things that have happened in the past, we're not a church that ignores stuff like that. And Mitch is going to tackle that next week and go into what's taking place there today and our stance on it. It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing. But there are thousands of people there right now who find strength in a statue, who find power in an idea. This is our only strength. This is it. You know, Ephesians 6 and 10, when we say, uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, after that, He tells us our armor, right? This is our sword. This is it. This is what He gave us to fight with. So if we're not drawing our strength from this, God help us. We need Him. We need His strength. We can't do it, right? We can't do it. What's Philippians say? I can do all things, right? Through Christ who strengthens me. Not through Jake who strengthens me or fill in the blank with your name or fill in the blank with your passion or fill in the blank with your addiction or fill in the blank with your selfishness or your anger or your lust or whatever the things are that Samson has characterized here. God laid out this story through this man that mirrors us. I'm sorry if you're sitting in this seat and you're saying, that's not me. It is. You know, maybe you've worked through one or two of those things, but maybe it's one of the things you're struggling with today. Maybe it's one of the things you're struggling with today. If it is, don't leave here like that. I'll tell you that boldly. If you leave here like that, it's on you. You're given an opportunity this morning to just leave that stuff here. Remove that garbage from you today and just pray that God would just bind it and remove it in the name of Jesus, so that you can go on with your predestined plan for good works. Because he wants you. He needs you. Remember, he said, you'll be better off without me here. Right? Remember, he told his disciples that. You're going to do great works when I'm gone. And he sent his spirit, right? We all have that same spirit today that was sent back then. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to let our strengths get in the way? So number three was God can work through your weakness. God can work through your weakness. So they take Samson, and he's their little puppet now, right? They gouged out his eyes, they cut his hair off, and they put him in this temple, and they start to laugh at him, and they start to glorify their God for having Samson delivered into their hands. Samson wasn't delivered into their hands. Samson gave himself. Samson gave himself. They didn't go capture Samson. He gave himself up. He gave himself up to please the flesh. But then look here. In his weakest moment, in chapter 16, verse 28, and it should be on the board, it says, Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God. It's about time, right? Isn't it about time Samson recognized God? Here it is, just like us. Right? When do we call out to God? In our lowest, weakest time, right? Oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, oh God, that I may be, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Is that incredible? It's incredible. <laughs> that I may be avenged for my two eyes. 
No, I, I like to think, you know, that's not the prayer that I pray when I really need God. But if we're honest with ourselves, what do we pray? What do we pray? Sometimes we pray God's will when it seems like either answer is going to be all right. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> when it seems like, well, if he doesn't do it, yeah, I guess it'll be all right. You know, like if you're praying for a uh, you know, decision to make on whether you should buy the fun sports car or the economical SUV, you know? But God's will be done in the situation. But sometimes when you're praying about something substantial, you want your will done, don't you? Don't we all? We were born this way, right? We were born predestined to do good works, but we were born with free will and flesh. What bridges that gap? It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. That's what bridges that gap. Listen, we can't run around, uh, you know, just wiping stuff out ourselves. We can't do it. We can't run down to that little town in Virginia and say, listen, I'm here and God's in me, right? We have to let God work through us in that situation. Amen? God has a plan. God has a direction for us. In our weakness, he is strongest. In our weakness, that predestined plan that he has for us can be fulfilled. But without him, it can't be. So, God gives power to Samson one last time. For what purpose? For Samson's gain? So Samson can avenge his two eyes? No. He does it because God worked through Samson and his weakness and his sin, his lust, his greed, his, his anger. All of the things that you want to, to characterize Samson as, he was greedy, he wanted the clothes, right? He didn't share God's miracle because he wanted some clothes. Literally. Okay? He wanted a girl. He wanted some honey. Think about all the things that he went after, right? For his own selfish gain. And then he prays this ridiculous prayer to God. And God comes down and Samson in one last feat of strength pushes the pillars over and kills thousands of men. Philistines. So in Samson's death, he killed more Philistines than he did his whole entire life. And it's because God worked through Samson and his iniquities to do amazing things. Now, if you flip to the very last verse in the book of Judges, which is chapter uh, 21, verse 25. Spoiler alert again. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that, give you, does that kind of give you chills a little bit, that verse? I mean, every time I read it, I kind of get, you know, like the hairs stand up. Because I feel like that's where we're living today, church. I feel like that's where we're living today. Because of our own Samson problems in our country, we've totally removed God so that we could bring in all these wants and all these lusts and all these things that satisfy our flesh. And we know that we're called to stand up for those things in the name of God, right? But we remove them all because there's no king anymore. Don't be God. Let God be God. Okay? It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility being God. Don't be God. Let Him be. If you're God, you do what you want. If God's God, He'll use you to do what He needs. Amen? Let God be God. I'm going to give you a few more scriptures real quick um, in Ephesians. None of these are going to be on the board, but I was up early and reading these. In Ephesians chapter 1, Verse 5 and verse 11. Verse 5, it says, uh, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. In verse 11, it says, In Him we have been attained in inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Okay? For His strength in Psalms chapter 27, verse 1, the psalmist writes, Uh... The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold. Other translations say the Lord is my strength in my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If you flip over to, to Psalms chapter 37, verse 39, it says the salvation of the righteous 
is from the Lord. He is their strength in their time of trouble. It's the Lord who is our strength. You can find this over and over and over. In verse chapter 138, verse 3, it says, On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. The strength of soul that can only be increased through God. We live in a fallen world. We live in a, a dark society today, and God needs us to get out of his way and let him work. Amen? He needs us to be willing to put these things aside. My favorite scripture that I read in my darkest time, I'm going to ask the band to come up and start playing. My favorite verse that I read in my darkest time was Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. And it says, those who are willing to be corrected are on the pathway to life. Those who refuse have lost their chance. And I read that in a very dark place. And let me tell you, and let me urge you this morning, church, to be willing to be changed. Okay? It says those who are willing to be corrected, not those who are corrected. Because just like it says in the book of uh, Judges, it says that he came, sorry, it says that Samson began to deliver Israel, right? He began to deliver Israel. We can't do it. Okay? We can't do it. Our change is a never-ending change, all right? It has to be something that we work on daily. It says that we should die daily, right? That we should take off the old man and we should put on the new, amen? Why do you think the rearview mirror is so small and the windshield is so big? There's so much ahead of us, but we have to remember what was behind us so that God can work through us, amen? There's been miracles. There's been changes. There's been substantial things that took place in each and every one of your lives in here. No story is greater than the other, okay? Because it's all God's story. It's not my story. It's not yours. It's His. And He works through us in incredible ways, church. Incredible ways. But you have to get out of His way. You have to realize that you have a plan. You're part of a story. You're part of God's story. He predestined you to be a part of His story, okay? But you have to admit that you're weak and he's strong. Just like Mitch sang last week, right? I am weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves me. Let's pray.